Welcome to Pathway to Faith with Bishop Steve Howe. Turn your expectations high as you receive the word from our man of God. Prepare yourself to hear a life-changing message. Let's tune in now. So today I believe um, God has a, um, a word for this house that will change your life forever. You hear a lot of people say that. Um, but this that I'm going to begin teaching today will change your life. Start changing it today if you apply it. If you apply it, it'll change your life today. And I'm taking my time. Uh, today I know I got a time limit, but I think the Holy Ghost wants to massage this in today. You know, I always refer to my wife's cooking. You know, when she cooks a good meal, it takes a little time. She started to crock pot early in the morning. We go to church and come back. Is it ready? Not yet. We've been gone three hours. I got to do this and that. But when she, when she sets the table, you thank God that she took her time. Amen. Uh, and so... Even though my father, spiritual father, isn't here today, I'm a pull on his spirit, his apostolic anointing today. In Ephesians 3, if you read that, it talks about an apostolic anointing is, you can have a seat, I'm sorry. And my name is Minister Jay. I'm thinking everybody know me, I'm sorry. Eric told me, Minister, Minister Orvin says, tell them who you are. My name is Minister Jay. I've been a member of Harvest Church for over about 21 years. And uh, it was funny. I was in a, a meeting earlier this week, and we were talking about when everybody joined. And, you know, we need to wear our shirts, you know, that we joined in. And, you know, majority of everybody in the group said, man, I can't fit that stuff no more. <laughs> so we got to print out some new ones. Amen. But I, uh, I pull on my, my pastors, my man of God's my bishop's apostolic anointing, which is really God downloading information to him or me. And then he gives you the grace to release it that men can see. Not with your eyes, but in your spirit, man. That a light can click on in your spirit, man, and you'll be like, oh, my God. I did not know that. And so I pull on his anointing, and I have a right to do that because I'm one of his sons. I haven't talked about him. I bless him every chance I get. I've been faithful. And so I have a right to, to pull on that. And so today, I decree and declare that your inner man, your spirit man, will be enlightened, illuminated to this principle I'm going to teach you about today. Amen? Um, and if we can go to, real quick to Ephesians 1 and 16. If you could pull it up on the screen for me. These words have gotten a lot smaller in my 52 years of living. So Ephesians 1, 16 through 23. And I had an opportunity for my, uh, my man of God to pray for me before I came up here today. And he told me to get my Bible, and, and he, he said, go to Ephesians 1. And he prayed 16 through 23 over me, and Ephesians 3, 14 through 21 over me. And he didn't know that I, he, he had no idea, the Holy Ghost knew, but he didn't know. I had been confessing that prayer over my life for the last few months, every day during my prayer time. 
And so if that wasn't confirmation that the Lord was with me. And I encourage you to read this over your life every day during your prayer time. And so let's go through it. Uh, Ephesians 1.16, do not cease to give thanks for you making mention of uh, uh, you in, your, in my prayers. That the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the father of glory, may give to you the spirit of wisdom and revelation and the knowledge of him. That the eyes of your understanding will be enlightened and that you may know what is the hope of his calling. What are the riches of his glory, of his inheritance to me and the saints? And what is the exceeding greatness of his power towards us who believe according to the working of his mighty power? Which he worked in Christ when he raised him from the dead and seated him at the right hand in the heavenly places. Hallelujah. Far above, far above. Far above all principalities and powers and might and dominion and every name that is named, not only in the age, but also in which is to come, the age to come. And he put all things under his feet. Think about what's going on in your life. He put all things under his feet. And gave him to be the head over all things to the, which the body, the fullness of him who fills all in all. Amen. And if you could drop down to Ephesians 3, 14 through 21. And for this reason. I bow my knees to the father of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. He's my father, too, now. From whom the whole family in heaven and earth is named, that he would grant you, grant me, according to the riches of his glory, to be strengthened with might through his spirit in my inner man. (laughs) That Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith, that you being rooted and grounded in love, may be able to comprehend with all the saints what is the width, the length, the depth, and the height to know the love of Christ, which passes knowledge, that you may be filled with all the fullness of God. Now unto him who is able to do exceedingly, abundantly, above all that we could ask or think, according to the power that worketh in us, One translation says, according to the love that worketh in us. To him be glory in the church by Christ Jesus to all generations forever and ever. Amen. 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 Hallelujah. Let me pray real quick. Father God, we give you glory and praise. We worship you. We honor you. We thank you, Holy Spirit, that your presence is here today. We thank you, Lord Jesus, that you're here today. Angels are going up and down the aisles right now, delivering, healing, setting free. So we thank you, Lord. We give you praise. And right now, take authority over the atmosphere. Now bind every demonic spirit, everything that's not like God. I command it, according to Ephesians, to bow your knee to the name of Jesus because you're under his feet. Satan, I command you to cease and desist in your maneuvers right now in the name of Jesus. Holy Spirit, have your way. And it's in Jesus' name we pray and believe. Amen. Amen. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Can we we just pray in the Spirit for one minute? Surabahaka 
Hallelujah. The grace to see, Father. Release the grace to see today. Open their hearts to receive. Open their spirit, man, to receive. In the mighty name of Jesus, amen. Amen, amen, amen. Praise God. Thank you. Uh, the title of my message today is uh, The Extraordinary Life. The Extraordinary Life. The Extraordinary Life. If you're bougie, The Extraordinary Life. You know you are. But uh, I'm going to dig right, dive right into it. We've been, we've been, many of us have been believers for quite a long time. We've been faithful in the house. We, we serve God. And, um, but things seem to not just quite be happening like you think they should. You know, when I read the Bible, uh, what he did with, with, with David and with Abraham and with Isaac, and, and you can go on down the line. And then I look at my life, I'm like, what's, what's going on here? I'm not eating the good, not wearing the good, not driving the good. What's going on? Something, something, I have holes somewhere, as our bishop would say. And, uh, and I was studying this. And I want to know today, you're going to get revelation if, that's, if that was your question in your heart. And I want you to know that the gospel, the gospel of Jesus has two sides. One side is the person of Jesus. And one side contains the principles of the kingdom. One side is the life in God. And one side is the law of God. Jesus prepares you for eternity. The principles of the kingdom prepare you for the earth. The person of Jesus creates your peace. But the principles of the kingdom controls your prosperity. And so. We have many people we could say, our grandmamas and meemaws and peepaws that love God but died broke. And you love them. I'm not saying you don't love them. I know you love them. But many people have loved them but struggle to pay their bills. Struggle to live the extraordinary life. And I think it's because We've depended on the side of Jesus that Jesus is going to do it. Jesus, God's in control of everything. And God's going to make it. If it's mine, you know, I'm growing up, they say, if it's yours, God's going to give it to you. No. Knowing Jesus has nothing to do with your prosperity. That was a golden cow right there. I I shot that thing. <laughs> Knowing Jesus has nothing to do with your prosperity on earth. God rules the earth by laws. God rules the earth by laws. Doesn't matter if you love God or if you're an atheist. If you both climb up on this roof, and jump off, you're not going to float because you love God. You and the atheists are going to need an ambulance. Because God rules the earth by his laws. <laughs> Whew, stay with me. I'm, 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 as Bitch Dad would say, I'm going somewhere. Stay with me. So there are many people who love Jesus and the poor. There are many who hate the gospel and are billionaires are wealthy because they understand the laws of the kingdom. 
And a sinner with a goal is more powerful than a Christian without one. Yeah, I said it. A sinner with a goal is more powerful than a Christian without one. Look at 9-11. They use the laws of the kingdom to do evil. Tower of Babel. God himself said, if I don't go down here, man, these... They're going to succeed in what they want to do. Evil. So the laws work for everyone, just like it rains on everyone, the sun shines on everybody. But we, as believers, have to take time to understand the principles that will make you prosperous, that will heal you, that will deliver you. And I'm standing here today teaching, speaking to you, but I'm learning this too. My wife and I have been just celebrated nine years of marriage. Praise God. A phenomenal woman. Phenomenal, phenomenal. My life has changed. I'm a happy brother. I'm happy. Can you tell I'm happy? But when we started our marriage, you know, I'm, I'm real transparent. You know, my wife says sometimes I'm too transparent. But... I was married two times before I married my wife. I was married two times before I married my wife. And uh, at the end of the, the first marriage, I was married five years, and they or I did something that didn't work. And so five years of marriage was over. And, you know, I'm, you know, I'm going to get my stuff. And, I'm gonna, you know, and the Holy Ghost said, don't you take nothing but your clothes. I didn't know it was him then. But something in me was just like, don't, take, don't fight over no couch and no dishes. I want to be like Medea. Half of this. You know, that's what I want to do. Cut everything up, take half the couch, TV. Just being honest. But the spirit, you know, but I didn't. I just took my clothes, left. Five years of building something to just walk away from it. I mean, I got, I, 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 something's going on that I had to be trusting somebody. So started over. About a year or so later, my man of God, you know, called me. He was in the spirit, called me out. The Lord says, it's time for you to get married again. And I turned around. There wasn't nobody there, uh, but I believed his word. He who receives a profit receives a profit reward, right? So I said, all right, I'll get out of here and try to you know, see what's going on, going on. So got married again, married for eight years, two kids now. Built a life for eight years, and they or I, one of us did something to mess it up, and it was over for eight years. It was over. I know I'm going to get some stuff this time. <laughs> eight years? Build a house? And I was, I was seeking God then. At the end of the first marriage, I started coming to Harvest Church. So I'm starting to get that teaching. And, and now I'm in this second marriage. I'm under, at the feet of my bishop. And so I know it was the Holy Ghost that said, don't take nothing. Like, what? We done, we, I done built this house. I got this and that. Had to take my clothes, big black, which was my work truck, my tools, and bounce. I left her the house, everything in it. My kids are there. I wanted to cut something, but, you know, my kids are there. I don't want them to sit on no half couch. So I left everything, took my grip, and left. Still seeking God, still following God. Going through all the questions you go through. What's, what happened? What's wrong with me? What, why, why did that, that, that? You know, at the first, if any of you are going through this, I must be saying it because somebody's going through something, that this may help you. That's why I don't mind. You can talk about me and laugh about me if it'll help you. 
And I remember when I first kind of got close to Bishop and he kind of explained, I kind of explained what's going on. He told the gentleman with me, get him the book, My Grace is Sufficient, that he wrote. Get that book if you don't have it in your arsenal. And so after uh, eight years, I was pretty much done. You know, and my wife, after we married, you know, she was like, we had no idea you were going through what you were going through. You still were serving. You still was armor bearing. You still were working in the house because God was my source. And so the man of God again told me it's time for you to get married again. Now, you know he done missed it. You know, so I, I really kind of backed off of it. You know, I didn't receive it as quick as I did the first time, I have to admit. And, uh, you know, the men were praying. We had a men's conference coming up, a men encounter coming up. And so two brothers that, you know, I'm connected with, you know, Minister Orphy, Minister Kabuya, you know, we were praying like a month in advance, I think, before this happened. And so Brother Eric, came, Minister Orphy came up and said, man, you thought about Chutney? And I said, man, I ain't thinking about nobody, you know. And uh, so we're, we're still praying. I think the next couple of services, uh, prayers, Minister Kabuya came up and said, man, you thought about Chutney? <laughs> you know how you talk? You looked at Chutney? So when he said it, I said, well, let me, let me pray on this a little bit. And I'm so glad I went forward. And so we were married, and when we got married, we both were in survival mode. I was paycheck to paycheck. She was working four jobs. I had my own business. Still, since 04, I've had my own business and have not worked for anybody in the secular world since 04. But we'll praise God. Give glory to God. But in that, your business, you kind of do this and that, this and that. And so we were in survival mode. And a year or so into our marriage, a uh, year or two into our marriage, I began to dive into these principles. Like our bishop says, God will reveal things to you according to the questions you ask. If you ain't asking no questions, why are you expecting deep revelation? And so I asked God that question, why aren't I living the good life, eating the good life? You know, he was making he was making the way when we were eating. We, we had a place to stay. He, he's moved. But he said, then, you know, the Bible says the Lord is my shepherd. I shall not want. So my needs, our needs were met. But in the Bible, their needs weren't just met. They were living the extraordinary life. And I'm like, well, I want, I want what's in here. Why, why am I not getting that? And I started learning that there's two sides to the gospel. And I believe most of us, or we know somebody who has spent a lot of time on the Jesus side. And that's okay. We love Jesus. We wouldn't be here without him. But if you want your stuff, you got to dig into this other side. Amen? Are y'all with me? This is, this is good. This is good. So, God rules the earth through his laws, right? Uh, let's turn to Revelations 21. Let's see if I can see this, these words. Everybody all right? Is this good? All right, I'm going to tell it anyway. I'm going to say it anyway. Uh, Revelations 21, y'all have that in the back. One. Now, I saw a new heaven and a new earth. For the first heaven and the first earth have passed away. Also, there was no more seas. A new heaven and a new earth. The first have passed away. That's powerful. 
Um, and also in um, Luke twenty one thirty three, the Bible says heaven and earth shall pass away. Matthew twenty four thirty five, the Bible says heaven and earth will pass away. Now think about that. A physical space. A physical space will one day move to where we do not know. This is powerful. So automatically, if if God is saying that the heaven and earth will pass away, we know that every physical scenario can pass away. So we know physical scenarios can move because they are living things. Our pastors taught us nothing is solid. Nothing is in a solid state. The pew you're sitting on, if we get a powerful enough magnifying glass, it's moving. Your clothes, your glasses, everything is moving. Nothing's in a solid state. And that's the power of God because I believe it's held together because of his word. And so the pew we sit on was one day in a man's imagination and thoughts. And he projected it out. And now we're sitting on it. the same way. Same thing God did in Genesis. And God said and God said, we know that God said, God said, God saw. Right. So if everything. So if heaven and earth can move. Physical scenarios can move because they're living things. Science has proved this. Nothing's in a solid state. So. In this principle, I'm about to teach you a life full of pain, poverty, sickness, etc. All these are physical scenarios that can be moved out of your life. And, and I'm talking about operating out of our priesthood anointing. We're, we're in the flesh here, but our spirit man operates out of our priesthood anointing. Right? Everybody with me? So a life full of pain, poverty, sickness, all these are physical scenarios and can be moved out of your life. And uh, I've done a little study. If you, if you study the law of vacuum, the vacuum law of prosperity, it states that you must create a space for the good you desire. You know, you, you remember that nice big podium we used to have up here? You know, I like it was big, you know, had four pillars around it. I mean, that thing was nice. But somebody must have said, you know, that's a little outdated. And we need to put something better there. But until they move that one, this one couldn't come. <laughs> You must create a space for the good you desire. Try that. Go through your closet. Stuff you ain't wore since 1985, 2000. That leather suit ain't coming back. Them bell, well, bell bottoms coming back. You might keep them. But go through everything and get rid of what you don't wear. And watch how fast it'll replenish. It's a law of vacuum. It's a vacuum law of prosperity. And the vacuum law of prosperity states that you must create a space for anything good you desire. Once something leaves your life, something else has to fill that space. You remember the Bible talked about the unclean spirit left the heart of the man and the demons left. The demon left and came back. He looked in the window like, man, ain't nothing in here. They didn't fill it with nothing. He went back, got some of his homies, and came back and was stronger than he was before. The law of vacuum. He, he didn't replace it with the word of God. So you have to make up your mind that you will let go of old ideals to create new ideals. You have to let go of old concepts to create new concepts. Amen. 
Jesus said in Mark 11, 23, 24, if you speak to the mountain, that it'll move out of your life. And when that mountain moves, it should be replaced with what you're desiring. So let me get into a little bit, and I may not get to it all today, but bless God, I'll have a Wednesday to finish it up. But God has created a spiritual technology that can be used to open doors and to close doors. A spiritual technology that can end a season in your life and start a new season in your life. Let that sink in. Say la. God has created a spiritual technology that can be used to close a door and open another. And this subject I'm about to talk about, we've all heard about it, but not many of us is clear, fully understand it. Because if you fully understood it, your life would be totally different. Project Destiny be done. You'll be taking care of being a, you'll be a blessing. You will be a blessing to your family and everything else. And so I'm speaking this as I ended with my wife. I didn't forget. Uh, in our nine years of marriage, since after about those two years, I started digging into these principles. We were living in a, a three-bedroom townhome off of Berry Road that, that the Lord opened the door for us to get that. When we got married, I was renting a place because I just came from divorce. And a year later, they sold it, and the owner wanted my floor. You know, so I had to go. And my wife was working four jobs and just surviving. I think she had got a couple of notices that, you know, hey, you're going to have to get up out of here in a little bit, too. And so I had to step out on faith, and God moved, and we got this, this place. And uh, nine years later, we're living in our dream home. But, thank you, but it's because I began to work these principles. Not before COVID, a few years back here in this prayer room behind this wall, we were ministering, speaking, praying, and I, I, I got up and said something to stretch the people's faith, to, uh, to expand their capacity to believe, and I said, I'm believing for a, a, a mansion. I said, if God is giving me a mansion in heaven, I want one on earth. And I want, you know, a swimming pool, and it's going to have an indoor basketball court. I want three I'm, I'm just telling them right in there. And they looking at me like, and that was maybe two years ago, maybe three. We're in there. And it's because I've worked these principles. Because I've worked these principles. It's cold outside today. But if I want to, I can turn the heat on in my pool and jump in it. And it'll feel like a summer day. God, what I, what I said then, he's put us in now. And I don't mind telling you, and I'm believing for a jet. And I'll come back up and tell you we got that too. Because I want to fly my man of God around the country when he speaks. I want to fly my wife around the country when she sings in the world. And then just vacation. I just want to go on, you know. You go to MCI, you got the, did you take the shot? Did you didn't? Did you get you mad? You got to stand in line, take off your, what, what color underwear you got on me, all that. I'm just going to get on my plane and fly. You got to think big. You got to think bigger than where you're at. You got to expand your capacity to believe. And so this, this principle I'm going to talk to you about, and I'm, I'm out of time already, but the principle I'm going to talk to you about is the law of seed faith. The law of seed faith. Real quick, can you put up the uh, meaning of seed? And I looked this up in the Webster 1828 dictionary. Pull that up. Uh, it's, it's one dictionary that they use the, uh, the Bible as reference of what the words mean. And so seed means the beginning, that which any that from which anything springs, first principle, original 
principle of production. So everything starts with the seed. Everything starts with the seed. Everything starts with the seed. In Genesis 8.22, after the flood, God said, while the earth remaineth, remaineth. So that, that kind of, that confirms what he said, that one day heaven and earth will pass away, because he said, it, it, while earth remaineth. So that, why would you say remaineth if it ain't going nowhere? While the earth remaineth, seed time and harvest. What was it? Cold and winter, summer, day and night, summer, winter. So pretty much he's saying seed time is going to always be in play no matter what. No matter during Corona, no matter during the virus 12, 14, 20, no, no matter during divorce, no matter during not having a job, no matter during sickness. The seed principle is still in effect. Amen. And we're always sowing seed. We're always sowing seed. My wife and I have two kids together. If I didn't sow a seed, they wouldn't be here. Faith, faith is the seed for God to move in your life, gives them access to your life. Fear is a seed to give Satan access to your life. Fear and doubt. <laughs> Ooh, Jesus. Hallelujah. The tithe is a seed for God to open up the windows of heaven and pour you out a blessing that there's not room enough to receive. We shout on that. So not tithing closes the windows of heaven where you won't receive no blessings. Access is the seed for opportunity to reveal your difference. When God gives you access, even to our bishop or Dr. Howe, or on your job to your boss, it's an opportunity for you to display your difference. Confession is a seed for mercy. I'm working with my, my seven-year-old daughter. You know, she's like me, quick wit. So she'll make up a lie quick. And we'd be like, no, right, why you, you didn't have to lie about that, baby. That, was, that wasn't anything, anything to lie about. If you tell me the truth, daddy can give, at least release more mercy to you than if you lie. Now I got to beat you down. So confession is a seed for mercy. And this is a good one. Battle, battle is a seed for territory. You have to get real good at battling, at fighting. The good fight of faith. Because as a believer, you're never going to cease from having battles. You're never going to cease from having battles. And why are we battling? You battle because somebody wants what's yours. If, I, if somebody kick in my door and won't mind, you know, you know, Bible says you got to tie up the strong man, we're going to battle. So battle is a seed for territory. Get good at fighting. And you have to study the word of God to know what's in your arsenal. You get a bad report, you know, we see cancer. Oh, God. Oh. Right then, if you know it's in your arsenal, you know, devil, you a lie. I live and not die. Praise is a, a weapon. Fasting, prayer is a weapon. Silence is a weapon. You women know that. But you have to learn what's in your arsenal. For well, the Bible says the weapons of our warfare are not carnal, but mighty for the pulling down of strongholds in our life. Amen. Second Corinthians 10, 4. For you that want to check it out. 
And you pick your weapons during your situations. Don't let the enemy pick your weapon. He's going to try to put fear and doubt on you. Use fear. on. Use crying on this one. Yeah, that's, that's bad news right there. You Use crying. Uh, use depression on this one. Yeah, nothing works for you, I know. I feel sorry for you. Don't let the devil choose your weapons. You pick your weapons. And why fight? Why even fight? Why even do battle? Iraq, Iran, why are they fighting? The two sons of Abraham, why are they fighting? It's gold in them hills. Oil, diamonds, silver, wealth, riches, prosperity. That's why you want to fight. Your provision is in the battle. And God never sends you in the battle to lose. He sends you in to win. Did you read the back of the book? And God gave me this illustration. I said, somebody came through my door. When they bust the door down, that's the excitement of the bad news or whatever you get. And he said, I want your stuff. And he pulled out a switchblade. <laughs> you know, at first when he kicked it in, you know, you kind of like, whoa, whoa. When he pulled that switchblade out, I ceased to fear. Because I'm a click, click on him. The click supersedes the switchblade. I got to come way down here to stab you, Pastor Readers, but you could pop me from there. Battle over. Right? You heard the turn in and brought a knife to a gunfight. It's the same in the spiritual. All Satan has is a switch. Click. But if you know what's in your arsenal, you're like, man, are you crazy? And you stand in faith, and it's literally, in, in the spiritual realm, it's literally when he jumps in with this knife, click, you have all of heaven backing you up. Imagine the U.S. Army, Navy, Marines, everybody backing you up when somebody kick your door in. How you going to act? You going to be like, oh, he has a switchblade. You going to be like, what's up, man, what's up? what you want to do? I got, I got my people here. What you want to do? It's the same with Satan. Resist him, he'll flee. The Bible says resist him in his flee. That means he will run in terror when you stand on your arsenal of faith and the principles of the kingdom of God. Amen. All right. And I'm going I'm to I'm close with this. I apologize if I've overstepped my bounds. But like I said, I'll be back Wednesday. If you want to hear the, the best part of this, she better be back Wednesday. Be tuned in Wednesday. So I want, to, I want to end with this. The principle of seed faith is the only principle that mimics what Jesus did. The principle of seed faith is the only principle that mimics is able to mimic what Jesus did real quick John John 12 24 and I'm, I got to get out of here so I don't get in trouble John 12 24 See if I can see this. Verily, verily, I say unto you, except a corn of wheat fall into the ground and dies and dies and dies. It abideth alone. But if it dies, it bringeth forth much fruit. So unless a seed falls to the ground and dies, it abides alone. 
And Jesus was talking about his, you know, him getting ready to go and die for our sins. But we know that in the natural, that you have to plant seed. When you plant a seed, it dies. You have, you have to, when you plant a seed, the principle of resurrection is that the seed dies. Not that the seed goes in the ground, but that the seed dies. So entering the ground is not death. Death, therefore, is not the sensation of life, but it is the doorway to another realm. When Jesus ended his dispensation, he went through the door of death. And then through his resurrection, he's brought many sons to the kingdom of God. We agree with that. If he didn't die, this, everything we believe, if he didn't die, it wouldn't matter. I mean, him dying, it was in his resurrection, too, that changed our life. And in his dying, you read in the Bible where it says Jesus was sweating drops of blood in the Garden of Gethsemane. And, uh, you know, another thing that popped out when when his mother went and saw him on the, Christ, on the cross, she didn't recognize him. And I believe that because Jesus and our pastors taught this, that every sin of the world was on his shoulders when he went to the cross. Every sickness, every disease, every divorce, every evil thing that could, could take place was on leprosy, cancer, uh, anything you can imagine. It had to be on him because when he was resurrected on the other side, he said, you've been redeemed from the curse of poverty, sickness, and death, a spiritual death. So he took all that to the grave and died, and they had, those things had to die with him. And then when he was resurrected, it was a whole new walk for us. You understand that? Yeah, give him a hand clap on that. And I'm going to end here. The same principle, that's the same principle that happens with your seed. When you sow a seed, it follows the same principle. It dies for a while and goes through the door called death. And through ways we don't know, it resurrects. You plant a seed of corn. You don't you, you get more corn. You plant wheat, you get more wheat, not just one seed, one peat, one wheat. You get exceedingly abundantly above. Now, this same principle of the seed. You can tie your poverty to it, your sickness to it, your disease to it, whatever you're going, whatever you're going through, you can tie that to the seed. And when it dies. That door has to close in your life. And through means we don't know, now it's resurrected on the other side and you're getting what you're desiring. Everybody understand that? <laughs> I know, I know, I know. So, we know that everything produces after its own kind. But God has the ability, the technology to change your seed and give it another body. So when you plant a seed, first fruit the other day, when we planted a seed in this house, if you put a name on that, what if you're saying I want a job and I don't have a job and I'm planting this seed, then the season of no job has to end and job has to come. I'm planting a seed for healing from this sickness. When I plant that seed, it has to die and healing has to spring forth. It was a young man in this house that planted a seed for his mother to be married. And it wasn't, I, I almost want to say it wasn't a year later. I could be wrong, but the sisters got married. So a seed will meet any need, but you have to put an expectation. Know that when I'm planting, when I'm, you're planting that seed, God, I'm believing for more business. I'm a businessman. I'm believing for more clients. 
more A clients. That means the ones that pay you. Well, because I'm past the stage of, of willing and dealing and trying to be the lowest, this is my number. And when they see the work we do, they call me back. But if I'm planting a seed for more business, for more clients to expand from Kansas City to this region, I don't want to expand from this region to the, to the Midwest. I don't want to expand from the Midwest across the nation. When I plant that, this level of, of my business has to die. And it has to take off according to the principle. Amen. Amen. I, I pray, like I said, I, I, my time is up. But has it blessed you? I, I, it's quiet and that's good because I know you're thinking. And I always come for your thinking. So I'll leave you with that. Remembering this, the law declares that that dimension of your life must follow the seed to the grave and die too. So it can end the season in your life and it can start another one. I have a lot more. I can't wait till Wednesday. And I ain't even got into it. Wow, what an amazing message. Thank you for listening to our Pathway to Faith broadcast. If you're ever in the Kansas City metro area, join Bishop and Dr. Howe at Harvest Church International Outreach, 4300 North Corrington Avenue, Kansas City, Missouri, 64117. Or catch our services live online at www.harvestchurchkc.org. Be blessed.